0: Hello everybody, this is Pastor Iris and we're coming to bring you our famous, or you've got to be famous because you're talking all over the world, um, Reverend Solomon Wilson. Good morning, Solomon.
1: Good morning, Pastor Iris, God bless you, God bless you.
0: (laughs) You've got to say nice things about about you, haven't I? Because, you know, you're sat there looking at me and I've got to...
1: (laughs) Yes, praise God. Listeners, it's always, it's always a great privilege to be connected to you every time that I'm on the radio. And I believe that it's not just by, I don't take it for granted because I believe that God connects us through this platform, through the ministry of Pastor Aris for a purpose and for a reason. And so it's always wonderful. Uh, for us to be connected again to um to 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 listen to the word of god to have ourselves edified uh, by the holy scriptures of god and so it's always wonderful so welcome everybody again to hear with us speak the word of god and to share the word of god amen
0: amen, amen. amen.
1: So, so we're going to get started we're going to get into it and um And get ready, because I believe that there's something that God wants us to hear in our days. And in our ministry, we've been talking about fire and light for the month of November. But I believe that it's not just a one-off experience that comes and leaves us. But it's a fire, it's a kind of revival that God wants to set ablaze across our nation. I believe that the nations need the fire of revival. I believe that churches need the fire because there's so much stillness in our churches. There's so much inactivity in our churches. And because it's all because there's a lack of fire. Because one of the things that I, I say about fire is that is an indication of a change process. Wherever there is fire... Uh, change is an inev- inevitable change is continuous and god wants us to be molded and shaped and take his nature and so we we are becoming that like him through the process of the fire of the spirit and so i believe that god wants us to go through the process of transformation to take on to ourselves or to put on his glory his nature and his power exhibiting his power across the nations. And so I believe that it's it's always great for us to have that power and and fire experience. And so I'm briefly going to talk about drawn in by his fire, drawn in by his fire. God is calling people to experience his fire, Uh, but we are too far off. We are too far off. God is calling people to experiences fire but we are so much distracted and so we are not experiencing the fire and God is calling people to to his fire but we are not experiencing it because we are so self-centered and for some of us on the other hand we are not experiencing the fire because we are so much in a hurry we are not patient waiting for God's fire to set us ablaze so that we can spread the fire. Because one thing that I realized naturally is that when you are trying to transport fire, you've got a, a, a piece of wood and you want to catch a bit of fire and transport it or move it to another place. One of the basic things that you make sure you do is that that stick is actually caught the fire. Because if it's not caught the fire and you begin to move it, it's going to, and you keep on going back and forth and you're not able to move the fire. And so God wants us to be patient. In his presence, be passionate enough to lit the fire of his spirit, the fire of revival in us not being in a hurry, so that we'll be able to transport it and spread across our generations and across the nations. And so we're going to go to one of the popular uh, familiar scriptures in the Bible. One of the things that I consciously do is not to take scriptures for granted, because the more we see it as so familiar, we lose the revelation that God continuously gives us through his word. Amen. So I'm reading Exodus chapter 3, 1 to 6. I'm reading the King James Version. I'm reading. Exodus chapter 3, 1 to 6. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush and he looked and behold, the bush was burned with fire and the bush was not consumed and Moses saw I will now, now Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great stand why the bush is not bent. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, draw not either, put up thy shoes from thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And the Bible says that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God was revealing himself to Moses for a generational impact. And so he introduces himself in verse six, that he is the God of his father. Is the God of Abraham, is the God of Isaac, is the God of Jacob. It means that he's telling him that I'm about to establish a covenant between you and me based on a fire experience. Because whenever fire is seen in scriptures in terms of sacrifices, it is an enforcement of the covenant of God, is an enforcement of the arrangement between man and God. Amen. And so let's go to the scripture and let's appreciate the scripture even more. So going back to the scripture, um, um, Exodus three one to six, it says, "Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian." Now the interesting thing about this scripture is that you can see an introduction in a family setting. There is a family connection there. But let's pick it on it very quickly. It says this, And Moses kept the flock of Jethro. Now, what it's saying is that those that are drawn in by his fire, those that God is called to a place of fire, are those that are keepers. They are those that are attenders. They are those that are committed And so God never called Moses until he found him as a one that was a keeper of a flock, as a one that tended a flock or a group of animals. And so God saw him as a man of commitment. God wants us to call us to a place of fire, but we are not committed to anything. God never calls a people who are idling about. And so God found a man in a form of Moses who is engaged, who is committed, who is a keeper, who is the one that was committed to something, and then he calls him. And many a times we are idling around, asking God's fire. We are asking for supernatural experiences, but we are not committed to anything. There is no sense of commitment. We are not keepers. God will never give things to people who are not keepers. If you are not a keeper, you cannot receive anything from God because God does not let go waste the precious things of him he does not give pearls onto pigs he gives pearls onto people who are keepers and so Moses was showing the quality of being a keeper and so he kept the flock of Jethro now he was responsible for the wealth and the investment of someone the wealth of those days of people was in their flock. And the flock which represented the investment and the wealth of Jethro was in the hands of Moses. Now, one of the things that God gives us, in fact, the most important thing that God gives us to take off is the souls of men. And the souls of men are so much precious to God, that he says that if you gain the riches of the world, if you gain the whole wealth and lose your soul, you have lost it all. And so he says that before I can trust you with something, before I can trust you with something that is valuable to me, someone that I created in my own image, I need to invest in your hands the wealth of someone. And I want to test you to see how and how responsible and how committed you are, and so he placed in his hands the wealth and the investment of someone. Now, again, in the verse one, it says, "Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro." What can we see from there? What we can see from that verse means that the flock did not belong to Moses; it wasn't his. The Bible was very clear. It could have said Moses was there keeping um, a watch over some flock, but it says it was a flock of that belonged to Gethro. It wasn't Moses's, but he was committed to it. We are meant to be faithful with what others has given us or we're faithful with things that belong to other people so that God can give us our own. We are not ready for the fire of God if we are not ready to invest in the lives of other people. It wasn't his flock, but the Bible says that he kept those flocks. He was faithful with others, with that of others, and God would give that which belongs unto him. It doesn't have to be your own. You don't have to own it to serve it. You don't have to own it to be committed to it. God is calling a generation of people who have disowned themselves of things that they will call their own and are willing to be kingdom minded. These are the people that are drawn to the fire of revival. We cannot be drawn to the fire of revival if we have this kind of self-centeredness about us. It has to be hours for us to show interest. It has to be ours to invest in it. It has to be hours to show service to it. But God is calling us to something that is far beyond what we can handle in ourselves amen amen now maybe you don't have anything that you can call your own yet that's why you are not serving you don't have anything that you can call your own but your faithful service draws you into god's calling into fire your faithful service draws you into a place of fire Luke chapter 16, verse 4, says this. And if you are not faithful with other person's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? That is what it says. And so if you are not faithful with things that God has given you now, how would you be faithful when he gives you something that is meant to be your own? Amen. Stop talking about that verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest. Now let's appreciate this. Moses was seven. If you want to say, if you want to be saved, first learn how to say it. He was seven. That's what he was doing. He was seven. Moses practiced from his home setting, his family setting. And though many of us who are listening to us will bear this with us, that one of the cheekiest relationships that you can have is a relationship with your in-laws. It's always tricky. Whether you are a victim or the other side of it, or you are on the opposite side, it's always tricky. As a daughter-in-law, as the son-in-law, as a mother-in-law, as a father-in-law, it's always a tricky situation. And so Moses had to practice in this environment. He had to deal with the complexity of in-law relationships. If you don't believe me, ask Jacob. He will tell you. He had to serve seven years for one lady that he never wanted and serve another seven years and had his wages changed seven times. Eventually, he had to leave the father-in-law. So God was training Moses in a very complex relationship because he was bringing him to a place where he has to deal with more people at a time. And so God is saying to us, That for us to be drawn to the fire of revival, he wants us to start from our family. He wants to start from our homes. He wants to start from our relationships that are dear to us. Now, the interesting thing is that from another angle, it is sometimes difficult to render or receive spiritual service from family. It is very difficult. It is very difficult for you to minister to someone that is close to you, a husband or wife or son or brother or cousin or grandson. It's always very difficult to do that. And so God was training him in the most difficult situation. If you are able to impact the wealth Of your father-in-law, if you are able to serve and minister and be at service to him, then you are getting ready for even more easier relationship because you have used that as a platform for training. And so those of us who are listening to us, God wants to set revival of fire. God wants us to bring us to a place of fire, but he wants us to set the fire burning in our homes. With the, those that are close to us before we are able to spread it into our communities and our churches. Moses had to start from home. Ministry starts from home. Your ministry in your home and family draws you into God's fire. The prayer times that you have as a family, the prayer times that you have as a husband and wife, it is a starting point for God's fire. Amen. Now, let's also look at this. The same scripture. It says, Jethro was a priest of the Midianites. Now, the Midianites were not necessarily God uh, God worshippers, but they were spiritual people. They were quite spiritual. And so, they found a way to express themselves spiritually. And Jethro was a priest of the Midianites. Maybe Moses had no knowledge of priesthood in this form, but he said anyway, Because he had in the form of Jethro a priestly father that was meant to prepare him to meet or have an acquaintance or experience with the fire of God. Priestly father figures and parental figures are necessary for life and they are necessary for ministry. If we want to be drawn in into the fire of God. Now let's move on a little bit. He says, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now, the interesting thing is that when you read other scriptures, he said that he took the flock very far. He traveled very far. Are we willing to travel and travail with the people that God has entrusted us with? How ready are we to travel and to travel with them. Because all the journey that he was making was not just for his comfort. I mean, left with him, with him alone, he would have probably sat at a place and just waited for the day to pass and just go back. But for the welfare of the flock, he journeyed very far to the backside of the desert. It means that he walked through the wilderness. And this was to bring him closer to the fight of God. Now, let's appreciate this. The Bible says that he led the flock. And so Moses led. He learned how to lead from leading the flock. Even though leading people is completely different. God says that I'm going to teach you how to lead my people. Because you are meant to be a man that is meant to experience my fire. The fire for the supernatural. No wonder he got to Egypt and he will say things and they happen. He declares and it happens. Because he has been to a place of fire. He has gone through the process of learning how to lead. Animals, people that he could not relate to, or entities or organisms that he could not relate to. Now, let's also uh, 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 appreciate the scripture. How far are you willing to go for the sake of the welfare of others? That's the question. How far? Moses had to travel to the backside of the wilderness without being. Uh, physically or personally being comforted or receiving a reward for himself. But for the welfare of the flock, he traveled far to the backside of the wilderness because that is where we get acquaintance with the fire of God. That is where we draw closer to God. If you are not ready for the journey in the wilderness, if you are not ready to journey so far, sometimes not for our own comfort or our benefit, but for the benefit and comfort of others, then we are not ready to draw near to the fire. Because the fire of God is set. The fire of revival is about to reign across our nations. It's about to reign across our families. It's going to stir up churches and nations across the, the globe. But it takes those That are ready to journey to the backside of the wilderness. If you are able to lead in the wilderness, then you are able to lead into and to lead in the promised land. I say that again. If you are able to lead in the wilderness, you'll be able to lead into and lead in the promised land amen and so God was teaching him if you're going to take the people out of Egypt to the place that I'm going to show you I want you to learn how to lead in the wilderness because when you are able to lead in the wilderness you will come to a place of fire and in the place of fire you are able to lead others to the promised land and lead them in the promised land amen Moses brought the flock now listen to this. The beauty of it. He says it led them to the backside of the desert. And they came to the mountain of God. That is where they stopped. Their final destination as far as the scripture was concerned. Is that they had to come to the mountain of God. Mount Sinai. They had to come to that place. Moses brought the flock to the mount of God. The question is where are we leading people to? Because the place of fire is no other place but the mountain of God. Because the mountain of God is where there's a fire encounter. For some of us, we are leading people and ourselves to the place of satisfaction of our own goals and aspirations in life. Your willingness to lead others to God draws you into God's fire and God's uh, God's calling. Your willingness to lead others to God draws you to God's fire and God's calling. And so he was willing to lead them to the mountain of God. Do you lead others to yourself? Or do you lead others towards your own dreams in life? Don't use people, but lead them to God. Because many times we think that we are leading them, we are not leading them. We are using them for our personal uh, achievements. But in this case, he led the flock to the mountain of God. It is bringing them to God. That is the destination. May your destination be the mountain of God. May your destination be the mountain of God. Now we're going to appreciate the rest of the scriptures now. And then we pray. The Bible says that when it came to the mountain of God, There was a revelation. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to him. There was a revelation. There was something that he had never seen before. The place of fire is a place of revelation. It's a place where the scales uh, begin to fall out of our eyes and we see what God wants us to see. It is a place of divine encounter with divinity. It is a place where we encounter the power of God. The Bible says that when he had come to the mount of God, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, prophetically, I declare in the name of Jesus May the Lord show up in your situation. May the Lord appear in your situation. It might be concerning your ministry. It might be concerning your family life. But I pray in the name of Jesus that as you draw yourself in towards the fire of God, may God give you a revelation that you've never had before in Jesus' name. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Now you can see a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. In the midst of the people, God says that the fire is meant for the people. If God brings you to a place of fire, he wants you to manifest the fire in the midst of the bush. The fire of revival is not meant for local experiences the fire of god is not meant for just personal experiences the fire of god is intended for the bush, for the general congregation, for the general population, and to spread the fire of God across the nation. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that the authority of the word of God, the fire of God shall be expressed in your family. The fire of God shall be expressed in your community. It shall go burning in the bushes of the heart of people, in the bushes of the populations across the nation, in the name of jesus hallelujah but the beauty of this fire is that he looked huh you know sometimes the fire is closed but we lack the spiritual observation and the spiritual curiosity and the spiritual attentiveness to see that the fire is closed the bible says that he looked and not to repeat words And the Bible says, and behold, you know, many a times we look, but we don't see. And the scientists make one of the scientists make this statement. It says that we are not looking at new things, but we are seeing something new from what everybody is looking at. I paraphrased it. It means that everybody is seeing the same thing, but different people are seeing different things. That is to say that whatever the scientist discovers, it's not because it's not been there, but it's because it's not been looked at, it's not being held. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May you behold the fire of God, may your eyes be open, that we'll be able to see the fire and be drawn in the fire of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that behold, He looked, and behold, the bush bent with fire, and the bush was not consumed. The reason why the bush was not consumed is that it wasn't the fire of judgment. It wasn't the fire of destruction. It wasn't an Elijah kind of fire, as Jesus says. Now, don't you know the spirit that you carry? He said that in Matthew. Don't you know the spirit that you carry? When the disciples told him, why don't you let fire come upon them and destroy them like Elijah? He says the fire did not consume the bush. Because the fire is meant for transformation, the fire is meant for conviction, the fire is meant for uh, is meant for uh, people to be converted, and so he says the fire did not consume the bush. Because the fire is meant to bring the love and the grace of God onto the heart of people. Rather, what we are doing is that we are burning strange fires. The fires that are prejudging people and, and, and making them feel that there's no hope for them. But I've come to declare with the message of God that when you have an encounter with the fire of God, you are not judgmental. You are moved by the grace and by the mercy of God. And you set the hearts of people burning for God. You have a passion. They have a desire for God. Hallelujah. And so the bush was not burning. And he said to himself. And Moses said, now this is a guy that is holy." in the forest, in the wilderness, literally, with animals, now begins to speak to himself. And he said this, and Moses said, "Is a statement of determination. It wasn't just a matter of conversing with himself, but it was a self-determined statement, like the woman that touched the hem of Jesus is coming. The Bible says that he said to herself, It means that it's an inner conviction. It's an inner reflection. It's a place of persuasion. It's a place of faith. He said that he said to himself, I will now turn aside. It means that he had a different perception. He had a different angle. He says, I will now give it my my full focus. I will turn in my whole direction towards it. I will not be distracted anymore. I'm going to give it my full focus. I pray in the name of Jesus that we come to a place that we give our focus to God's fire. It says, I will turn aside. Now, I will turn aside. I believe that God is telling us that he wants us to turn aside. God is telling us that let's turn aside. We are facing the wrong direction. We need to come to a place of intimacy with his fire, but we can never come to that place of intimacy with his fire until we turn aside. Where are you facing? What direction are you facing? Are you facing in the direction of God's fire? Or are you facing in the direction of the world? Are you facing with uh, the direction of the passion of your desires? Are you facing the, the passion of what you will and what to do in life? Or are you facing the direction of the fire? He says, I will now turn aside. And listen to this. And I will see this great sight. Hmm. He describes it as a marvelous, amazing sight. When you are caught into the fire of God, nothing will amaze you more than the glory and the power of God. That is a desire that is rightly placed. For some of us, what we call amazing and fascinating and great is anything that will please our eyes. The last of the eye, the last of the flesh. But it says, I want to behold the fire of God. This is what I'm going to give my concentration to. This is what catches my attention. This is what amazes me. May the glory and the fire of God catch your attention. May it be a source of amazement. May it be a great sight unto you because God wants you to draw near to you. The reason why we are not drawn near to the fire of God is that we don't find it exciting. Prayer becomes a bottom. Prayer becomes a chore. Reading the word of God becomes a struggle. When it comes to the things of the spirit, we don't have time for it because it doesn't capture our imagination. It doesn't tickle our fancy. It doesn't take our imagination. But the Bible says that the great side, I'll go and look at it. Why? Because the bush is not burnt. Now let's appreciate this. And then we will come to an end. It says this. When the Lord saw that he turned aside. That's all that God is looking out for. God is moved. When we are moved towards him. It says when God saw. So God is looking for a reaction. God is looking for a movement. God is mo- mo- um, is looking for a kind of movement that takes us to his fire. That's what he's looking out for. And when God saw that he had turned aside to see, he was so spiritually cre- uh, curious that he wanted to know more. And so when he was so excited, wanted to know more, then God spoke to him. Hallelujah. Now it says this, God called unto him, Out of the midst of the bush. And he said. Moses. Moses. God calls us by name. He told Jeremiah. He says I've called you by name. It means that I know you. When somebody calls you by your name. There are certain names, those of us who come from cultures where you are named, you are given multiple names. That even in different cultures, there are names that you are only known by, by your dad or by your mom. There's short form and abbreviated form of your name and there's this kind of names they give you. And so when you hear that name, Your attention is drawn to the fact that the person who's calling you actually knows you. Because that is your pet name. That is the name that you are called by only by your father. And so God says that Moses and Moses, he repeats and says that I know you and know your vulnerability, and know where you are coming from, but you are desiring to draw near to the fire, and know your background, and know that you killed somebody before, and know that you ran away from Egypt, and know that now you are finding yourself in a new environment because of your fears. When they told you that who made you a leader over us, you ran away. I know your situation. I know that you failed before, but I know you and I'm calling you. And listen to this. That is those who are available, those who are ready to be drawn to the fire. It says this. And it said to him, Here am I. He says, God, I'm nowhere else. I'm ready. I'm available. I'm open. I've come just as I am, with my weaknesses and my flaws. But I want to have an experience of your fire. I want to get closer to this fire. I want to know what is in there. What is it making it not to bend the bush? I want to know, God, I'm here. If somebody is going to say this hour, as they listen to us this hour, if you're going to say, God, I am here. I am available. I'm open. I'm receptive. I've given you my full attention. I want to have an experience with your fire. The Lord is going to transform you. The Lord is going to purge you. The Lord is going to redeem you. The Lord is going to restore you. The Lord is going to prepare you for that encounter in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He says, <laughs> Here I am, Lord. And he says, John neither hither. Put off your shoes, that's the exchange of ownership. Because that was what was done culturally. When shoes are exchanged, it means that I'm giving ownership to you. And so the Bible says, it says, put off your shoes, put off your sandals. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, if we want to have an encounter with the fire of God, we need to stand on holy ground. If we want to come closer to the revival of God, check our standing. Are we standing on the ways of sinners? Are we standing in filthiness? Are we standing in ungodliness? Where are we standing? Those that are ready to be drawn by the fire and get closer to the fire are those that check the grounds on which they stand. And I pray in the name of Jesus, may you begin to say, God, I give my shoes unto you. God, I give my sandals unto you in exchange of your nature of holiness. In exchange of your nature of righteousness so that I can get closer to the fire. It's a "Take of your shoes because the place where you stand is a holy ground. And listen to this. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your fathers. A place of fire is a place of understanding who God is. And who he has called you for. And where he has called you from. He says, I am the God of thy father. I know your ancestry. This encounter has got ancestry connections. It's got generational connections. And it's for the next generation. He says, I am the God of thy father. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. Huh. And the Bible says, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. In a place of fire is a place of deep reverence for God. He had a deeper reverence for God because he had come close to the fire. He had come close to the fire of God. And so the Bible says that as God spoke unto him, that just as I've been with your father just as I've been with Abraham, just as I've been with Isaac, just as I've been with Jacob, it shows my credentials that I'm a God of faithfulness. I'm a God of covenant. I'm a God of consistency. I I am an unfailing God. I've shown my faithfulness in the life of Abraham. I've shown my faithfulness in the life of Isaac. I've shown my faithfulness in the life of Jacob. And so because you have had an experience of my fire, I'm going to I'm going to pass on that faithfulness onto you. I'm going to show my faithfulness in your life. I've called you for a divine assignment and I'm not not going to fail you. I'm going to be with you just as I've been with your fathers and I'm going to show my power and I'm going to show my glory. Now, no wonder Moses leaves this encounter and begins to speak like a god in the land of Egypt. He begins to declare. He begins to contend With the spirit of slavery and the spirit of bondage. Those spirit of slavery and bondage was broken loose over the lives of the people of Israel. May we come to the place of fire. Let's draw in, let's draw in with our service. Let's draw in with our humility. Let's draw in with the right attitude. And whilst we draw in and the fire begins to set ablaze in our hearts, we shall send a revival across our nations in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. May we have a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. You've told us that we are so far from your fire. You showed us that we are so self-centered, that is why we cannot experience. We are so idle and irresponsible, and so we've not come close to your fire. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we shall draw in and will be patient and full of all faith, tap into the fire of revival. The fire you have called, Father, you called us for God to send your fire across our nations deal with the struggles within our families father touch the lives of our wives and our husbands our daughters our sons and our grandchildren and our siblings and everybody else even our in-laws as we saw in the scripture and may we begin to impact into their lives your fire in the name of jesus we give you praise and glory for the fire of revival in our homes for the fire of revival in our churches for the fire of revival in our communities and even across our nations. And Father, I lift, our oh God, this platform, David radio before you and I pray in the name of Jesus that it shall be the airwaves of fire in the name of Jesus, bringing fire into homes, bringing fire into families in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Oh, that was a powerful word, Solomon, absolutely powerful. And I really hope mm. that it touches, touches the hearts of many, many people out there. It certainly mm. reaches into mine, you know, and, and, and it stirs my very spirit. Um, God. I was just thinking about earlier on about the power of two. Two people mm. can just confess as mm. we have done. And yet that spirit is transferable. That fire mm. is transferable. Sweet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's, that's just, it's just so important.
1: Praise it's God.
0: courage as well. At times mm. when you don't expect it to, your courage just suddenly mm. booms mm. up. I'm thinking about the story mm. of... Um, uh, was it in 1 Samuel 13 and 14 where the children of Israel were being harassed mm. by the Philistines mm. and, uh, and Saul, their king, had reached an all-time low, as it were. Mm. And he and his army are in a, a sort of a stalemate situation with no weapons and no courage. Uh, but all is not lost because Saul's young son, Jonathan, he's got a sword and he's got an armor bearer. Who has mm. a spear? Two people, mm. one weapon each. Mm. And just two of them, they, they went out in faith and friendship and sorted it out. And I see you know, it's a mm. thrilling tr- and true story because that is what life is all about. Because when they went mm. out there and faced their mountain, mm. their decisions, their destructions, whatever it was, it melted away. It simply did not take the hold it was it was trying to take, and that yeah. is the point I think. Yeah, this the fire of God is making in people's lives, but it's to grab no hold of it and don't let it go. No way! Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing that word. We're out of time again, and we're just going to have to say goodbye to everyone. I mean, my goodness, I'm going to have to replay all this and get some more. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye everybody we will be back have a wonderful finished your day